Hello there and welcome to the Tunes from Dudin podcast, an Irish traditional music interview series presented by myself, Charles Mono, and featuring guests from County Clare and beyond who come and visit us here in Dublin. On each episode of the show, we are guided by tunes picked and played by our guests, and we talk about various topics related to traditional music, such as sources of inspiration, repertoire, style, memories, and much, much more. If you'd like to support this podcast and the Tunes from Doolin project in general, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash tunesfromdoolin, where you can sign up and choose a support level that you can sustain. It doesn't have to be much. Even a cup of coffee per month really goes a long way. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Our guest for this episode is Tom Delaney, Elon Piper based in Dingle County, Kerry, and a regular visitor to Doolin. Hope you enjoyed the tunes and our chat with Tom, and make sure to stick around till the end if you'd like to know more about Tom and how to keep up with his music. Enjoy!
Thank you so much for those tunes, Tom, and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Always a pleasure to have you up here in Doolin. Uh, beautiful tunes. What what did you play for us? So um, these were three jigs. Um, the first tune is a tune called Jim O'Connor's, and it's a jig that I learned from a friend of mine down in Dingle called Jeremy Spencer. He's a great fiddle player. And uh, the second tune is a tune I picked up along the way, probably when I was in Ennis. Uh, it's called My Former Wife, and um, I love that tune because it was made popular by the playing of the piper Bernard Delaney, who moved to the uh, Chicago area in the early 1900s. So it was collected by O'Neill's, and um, I just like the fact that another Delaney piper played it. And then the last tune is a jig called Kilglass Lake, and that was written by um, a fiddle player who lives in County Mead, um, called John McAvoy yeah, great it's funny uh, you played that my former wife because it's actually a tune I associate with uh, another piper which I know uh, you're great friends with Blackie Blackie O'Connell um, tell me how did you put them together well um, well I put them together for an album that I'm releasing uh, very soon so it's the opening track of the CD um, and yeah, I don't know. I just thought they they went really well, and the more I looked into them, I kind of played them in separate sets and and things like that. But um, I the more I looked into them, the more I kind of liked the little history and the and the th- the people that they remind me reminded me of and, and and all that kind of stuff. So I said it'd be a a nice set to put together. Um, yeah, and they're very pipes friendly as well. They're great. They're great on the pipes. They work well. They work really well. Um, I actually I got the last tune from our friend Blackie. Um, I think it was Blackie that. Played that for me the first time, Kill Glass Lake. Um, yeah, so they're, they just came together as a set. We've been playing it for a while now. Yeah, so that's the opening track of your CD? That's it. It's the opening track of the new album called um, the, Lar- the Lark's Call. And it's uh, an album I've been working on for the last year or so, so. It's a solo album, isn't it? So it is a solo album, I suppose, uh, in the sense that I'm playing on all the sets and I picked the sets but there's um, there's plenty of guests on it, uh, different friends and and um, that are that are helping me out. So Alan Murray is playing bazooki and guitar on it, and Caroline Keane's playing concertina. Um, Brian O'Loughlin's playing flute. Laura Kerr's playing fiddle. Connor Lyons playing baron. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody as well. Um, but uh, yeah, a load of different different people that are helping me out. So it's a, it's lovely. Great, no, can't wait for it. Because I'd say most people they know you, uh, maybe through the band Four Winds. Yeah, you've you've one album with the band. Yeah, we did one album back in 2015. Now I think I think something like that. Uh, that was our first first proper big recording. Um, yeah, so that was the that was the kind of the start of the the big professional journey and the touring and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and after that you did the album with uh, Caroline Keane and Concertina. Lovely duet. Yeah, that's but it. But that's, yeah, that's the first solo album of Tom going for it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. That's me, me, myself and I throwing and myself out there. When did you decide to do it? How did that come about? Um, I don't know. I think uh, the last, about two or three years ago I started kind of putting stuff together and a few people had said to me oh you should do an album, you should do this, you should do that um, it's a very I had a very strong kind of uh, ideas about what I like in, in music and 
and uh, in the genre within Irish traditional music um, I'd be very much influenced by all the folk revival area uh, era I mean and all that kind of stuff so the Planksties and the Botty Bands and the Chieftains and so I kind of wanted that's the music that I like to play and a few people have said, that's suggested to me well why don't you do you know your own thing um, so I said well why not uh, once I start when I started playing with Alan Murray um, it kind of made sense just to have a you know someone to bounce ideas off and and he was great for the whole through the, the the whole process of the album he plays guitar and bazooki and and Alan joined Four Winds as well is that how you how did you meet I think I met Alan back in Ennis or in Milltown or some place like that um, through different friends at sessions uh, when I was living in Ennis and I just I loved his approach of backing you know he's a great bazooki player he's a great guitar player and and a brilliant singer too um so we started playing he was coming over yeah he came over for the flas and all that kind of stuff so we started playing sessions together and had a really good time and got on well and so we started playing together then he did a couple of trips abroad with myself and caroline and um yeah and then we said we were looking for a, a bazooki player singer uh so um so alan jumped in after Derry Farrell. Great. And obviously the last year and a half with COVID it's been difficult to uh, do any kind of project, uh, concert and all that, but I suppose the solo album, did you really, was it a COVID project, lockdown project, or did you start that before? Or That's a good question. Well, I had started before COVID got to us. Um, I had about three or four tracks recorded with Alan Um at we were recorded at Donna Hennessy studio down in Dingle where I live and we'd done a yeah we'd done a couple of days work and we'd started something so I suppose thankfully I had a little bit done so it kind of gave me a bit of a push and a kind of you know if I had to had started from cold it was hard it was hard for musicians to get to stay motivated you know throughout the the whole pandemic so I was glad that I had a little bit of something on well look this is started here's an opportunity to keep going you know um so so i finished up i finished it up well well i well i could during the pandemic and and uh luckily enough uh caroline obviously lives in dingle with me and a few of the other guests are in the dingle area so we they were able to hop into the studio too and alan was able to record the rest of his parts on the um from from the states yeah it totally makes sense uh, as in you had decided to do the album before all that happened you'd started so you were the ball was rolling that's it yeah yeah uh, no totally makes sense yeah uh, no i can't wait i'm very excited to hear it uh because um we know each other a long time and you play you know you see people in sessions you know duet albums and groups bands it's always very different when you take the the solo album route because you're fully in charge of everything yeah and You mentioned you mentioned uh, like the genre within Irish music that you like in particular. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, so I I grew up listening to traditional music on CDs. You know, my dad is Irish and he's a musician, and but I grew up in France, so a lot of the music that I would have heard would have been either from dad or from recordings that dad listened to, and um, and obviously. Um, The Botty Band and Planksty and the Chieftains were some of the records records of choice, you know, in our household. So I, I listened to a lot of those. 
and to me that's that's the music that I really like you know it's 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 that genre it's it's the excitement that the 70s brought to Irish music the revival of the interest in folk folk music and um and traditional culture and with a touch of you know fusion and a few nuances of rock and roll and things like that and that that really appealed to me um I think the overall aesthetics of the 70s really appealed to me I just love it. I just love it in general you know so I would have listened to yeah a lot of Planksty a lot of well in pipes pipes in particular um, I was just I was just going to say uh, did the love for the pipes come from those bands you know like Lee Morphin with Planksty and yeah Keenan with the Bothy Keenan band. with the Bothy band I suppose yeah and Davy Spillane maybe with with Moving Hearts and um so that and and, and Paddy Maloney with the Chieftains they, they would have been the big the big sounds um that I would have heard and like bear in mind that my dad didn't play pipes and for him he was well, a folk he's kind of a folk musician more first and foremost so he would have sang songs and sang ballads and then fis- that facilitated you know room for a few tunes but it was all the songs that were the most important thing uh, so then he played the fiddle and the banjo uh, but the pipes were very purist instrument you know it was far-fetched yeah. for I don't think he ever expected his son to go down that tra- that traditional uh, route you know what what was can you remember when the first time you said to them to your parents I'd like to play the pipes uh I think my dad said are you sure <laughs> uh and then he probably went where on earth am I going to find a set of villain pipes for this fella now um and he handed me back my tin whistle and he said keep practicing on this and if you still want to play the pipes in a year's time we'll talk about it again and and we did I just kept I just kept at the tin whistle for a while and uh, and a year later I still wanted to play the pipes so he kind of went okay well this guy seems to be pretty serious so um so he found he found a set of villain pipes in Wales from a, a maker called Alan uh, no it was actually a set from a maker called Addison um and and we we picked we picked it up and we started playing together actually dad decided to learn as well so yeah, turn around yeah well he just went well we might as well yeah. get to get the grips with this together so it was our our little adventure together myself and my dad challenging each other each other and trying to learn the next tune in the book before the next the other one you know yeah and how old were you then it's probably about 13 i think yeah, and so you played the whistle for a couple of years before that. Yeah, yeah, probably about two or three years. Um, not very seriously. I tried different instruments. I did a bit of piano lessons and stuff like that, which I didn't really take to. Um, and then just a tin whistle. Yeah, Dad would teach me a tune now and then a couple of handy polkas or a little. Yeah. Um, but and once I wanted to learn the pipes, I got more serious at the whistle. Okay. And how was that, like, you know, being in France growing up as a kid, <coughs> as a teenager? I mean... I doubt it was like the cool kid on the block. I was always the cool kid on the block. Of course I was a cool kid on the block. No, it was not. Um, I remember being 14 and talking to my friend who had... His birthday was around the same time as mine. And we were comparing presents for our 14th birthday. And he got a PlayStation. And I had to explain to him that I got a set of bagpipes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was kind of scratching his head over. He just, he just uh, didn't really make sense. Um, but yeah, you, you were delighted. I was delighted. He was delighted. 
everybody was delighted. Um, I didn't have a PlayStation. I had a set of vellum pipes, and that's what I wanted. And he got what he wanted. So, yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was just a thing that yeah. And then we kind of there was a few organizations and folk clubs and things like that around that organized little festivals maybe during the summer. We didn't go to a lot of festivals or anything, but well, um, I was going to ask. I mean. Finding a teacher, first of all, must have been quite challenging. There was no teacher. It was, um, there was a couple of pipers that would have been friends with my dad that might have popped by and given me a couple of tips. Uh, people like Christian Vevre and people, people like that. And then, thankfully, at the time, technology was booming and you could buy a VHS video from the Pipers Club from the Pibrielin with Ooh. Volume 1, the Arts of Illum Piping Volume 1 and the Arts of Illum Piping Volume 2. And uh, Was that your first like tutorial? Yeah, there was a few. Well, I got a few books as well like, but, and things like that. But the yeah, it got kind of got serious with that because it was a bit like online lessons nowadays, but you just had to, put, you had to put the VHS and you had to remember where you were at, at what, and they came with a little book and you just learned the tune and... And Nolik McCarthy and Game McKeown were there teaching you how to do a, a cut on an A or a, how to, you know, do a pop on a, uh, on that, a, a high brilliant. note or something. Different times, huh? Yeah, exactly. It was great, though. You could, you know, you could rewind and fast forward. and It was good fun, like. Yeah. Um, do you want to play something else for us? Sure. Um, okay. Well, I'm going um, to play an air, um, a tune called The Wounded Hussar, um, mm-hmm. which is the melody of a song that I learned from um, the singing of Frank Hart, the Dublin uh, singer and song collector. Um, and it's a tune that apparently, uh, the melody was written by Turlock O'Carlin and the words were um, written by a Scottish poet. And it tells the story of um, a, a lady uh, called Adelaide, who goes to find her wounded husband, who is just about to die during the um, Napoleon War in France, and it's a very sad song, but it's a very beautiful song. And uh, will you sing us the words as well? I won't. I won't. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to play a little reel afterwards uh, called "The Enchanted Lady." Lovely. Off you go.
I love that slow air. Like it's got to be one of my favorite tunes. Yeah, it's a cool tune, all right. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. You you'd have probably heard um, Tony McMahon playing that. Yeah, he's yeah. the one I associate the tune with. Where where did you learn it? Uh, um, yeah, as I said, um, Frank Hart. I mean, Frank Hart. Anyone out there who hasn't heard Frank Hart, go and listen to Frank Hart. He was um, he was song a song collector based in Dublin, and he collected hundreds of hundreds of songs, all great songs, and he was a great singer himself. But um, he recorded a few albums um, that were produced by Donaloni, and they were all of they all had a different topic or a different subject. So um, there's a full album of songs from. Uh, 1798 and uh, the French Revolution and um, there is a full album of Songs of Immigration and there's a full album of Street Dublin Ballads and there's a full album of something else I can't remember uh, worker songs and uh, like songs of uh, yeah, like mine, really mining and, and digging and stuff like that comprehensive collection amazing amazing and I do a bit of singing and a bit of bazooki playing and stuff and I mean it's just it's absolutely brilliant like, yeah so that's where you associate yeah. this tune anyway like yeah that's that's where that's where I got the the, the, the wounded hussar but there's loads of lovely, lovely versions of, of it there's another instrumental version that's slightly different that Seamus Ennis used to play as well um, and it's related to the song as well but the, the melody kind of goes somewhere different but I kind of wanted to play the, the song air really yeah nice and I suppose we didn't mention it, but uh, you're playing a, a unusual set of pipes today. Yeah, so I'm playing a C set of pipes, um, which I am very fortunate to have. Uh, they were made by Alan Fromont, and they were gifted to me by one of my uh, old teachers and a hero of mine, a guy called Marc Guilloux, who's a French piper, um, a fantastic musician, and a guy who's very, very good to me since I started playing since I first met him, so... Um, I'm just coming to grips with it, uh, and I love it. I just it really has that uh, that depth. Like I don't know, it's just it's very spiritual. Like it just has that extra little thing than a yeah than the con- yeah than the concert pitch. It really is. I think like the the concert pitch are great and they're they're really good and they're the standard instrument and the standard key. But when you're going into the sound of the flat set is closer to the original sound of the pipes. You know, they, you're starting to enter the bagpipes world and you're starting to enter ancient music and vernacular sounds, you know, that that kind of, I find really appealing, but they're beautiful, but they're very typical to pipes, you know. And are they very different to play? Um, they would be, there's a yeah, there's a bits a bits of technique and stuff like because you're foc- you're really focusing on the tone and there they, there's a lot more you can do as far as sounds are concerned. Like if you just think of the actual sounds that you can produce with the instrument, so there's a massive richness of options that you can do there. But that requires some technique that you mightn't um, you mightn't come across when you're playing the concert pitch or not as much maybe um, it's really about exploring the tones you can get out of it so cross fingerings and, and opening up the different fingerings and, and changing your variations around I've, I've been kind of working on that where you're, you kind of have to diversify your playing even more Okay and do you let's say would you be drawn to different kind of tunes because of the set of pipes are you getting more into slow airs or s- slower tune slower tempo anyway that's um that's a good point i think the fact that it's a 
it's a, they're a bigger set of pipes. So they're bigger than the normal. Um, so people naturally would have a tendency to play a little bit slower because it's a bit, of, a bit more of a stretch, a different, uh, different approach. But the tone and the frequency is definitely lower. So it kind of creates a, more of a kind of a, a mellower buzz mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So, um, so you, might, you might be drawn to kind of slower, slower music. And again, because of the tone, you would be kind of drawn towards maybe slower airs. And it's also, you know, when you think of Irish music and think of pipes in general, um, the Ellen Pipes only came into concert, into concert pitch um, in the 1900s. So they were actually redesigned to match the fiddles and the accordions. And But before that, um, up to like when they were actually invented before pre-famine, they were in flat pitch. So okay, they were they were mellower. They were they they were a really mellow instrument. So you're kind of becoming more aware of the sound of the instrument in the previous generation, eighteen hundred, seventeen hundred. So maybe the repertoire, you know, that might interest well, that kind of starts interesting you then is what's the repertoire that goes with that pitch, you know, what's the repertoire that goes with those those instruments? So so yeah, you do, you do like, well, I find the repertoire, then you start thinking as well of using the full instrument, using the drones, you know, and stuff like that. So not all the tunes that are played in traditional music would suit the pipes anyway, in general, as, you know, even if it's a concert pitch or, but then when you're playing the flat set, you're really kind of, because you're working on the tone, you try to find a repertoire that matches the yeah. tone and matches the richness of the drones and what can you use and what can you, you know try to make the most out of it it's funny that you mentioned the origins of the pipes like that the original instrument was in c because um, when i said they kind of have a spiritual sound i suppose the, the word that came to mind then when you mentioned that was a uh, ancient yeah there is like and even c wouldn't c wouldn't even be the pitch because um if you think of think of the instrument the, the instruments weren't pitched they were it was all about the tone. People didn't have the, yeah. the technology to learn about the frequencies to decide. Like the your A was in 442. I can't like it. It was decided that an A was going to be a 442 frequency, but that was that was way after. That the was way after invented, people yeah. were playing the Allen pipes or so any other instrument. Or exactly. So for that matter, if you weren't playing, in particular, if you were not playing a, a group instrument, so such as the Allen pipes, which is a solo instrument. The pitch, it, it was all about the tone. It wasn't about the pitch. It wasn't about being mm. in tune. It wasn't, it was about playing an instrument that had a beautiful sound. As long as you were in tunes with yourself. With yourself, that's yeah. all that matters, yeah. you know. And did you record the C pipes on the new album? I did. I did. Um, I played three selections um, on, the, on the album. I played, um, played a slow air that was record, uh, uh, requested by my friend Mark, a tune called. Uh, Aaron Nalauer or also known as Valencia Harbour and I played a set of jigs with Caroline Keane on concertina and Camille Philippe on mandolin and I also played a set of a single jig into a highland into a reel of my own composition lovely I can't wait to hear it because so there's the Pipes in the pipes in C. I'm sure there's is there a set on the whistle or is that a secret? There's yeah, there's a couple of sets on the whistle. I don't want to give too much away either. There's there's yeah. there's plenty there anyway for anyone who enjoys, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I I hope anyway. No. I had great fun doing it. Yeah, no, can't wait. Um, I also love the story 
of the pipes themselves that you got them from your friend Mark. Um, it's not there's an emotional connection with the instrument as well. Does that? How much do you think about it when you're playing them? I think about it all the time. I do. I think about it all the time because, um, you know, music is something that's passed on from one generation to another. And music is something that you can't, you never own, you know, um, and you can, you can, you can take it, you can care for it and then you just have to pass it on. And, and what people do, I think with it, if people could do that, can do that with instruments, I think they should. I think that, you know, it's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, I can see, to me, it has a very a music and Irish music in general has a very emotional connection. I find it it, it can be a, a time traveling machine. You know, we're playing tunes from you know the early eighteen hundreds or the seventeen hundreds are on an instrument that was given to you by someone by the previ- previous generation who taught you these tunes. Um, so there's it's it's mad. It's just it's a, it's yeah. a mad concept that you know you could be sitting here in this this house this beautiful house in Doolan and you close your eyes and you're recreating the tones and the sounds or trying to recreate or emulate the sounds of 200 years ago that would have been played in this maybe in this very same house on a repertoire from the same era from a similar era on you know it's 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 mental (laughs) and it's great it's uh, it's amazing you know I suppose that's the beauty of music. Like we already, the word spiritual came up already, but there's a lot more to it than just playing a bunch of notes one after the other in the right order, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does it, does it feel to you sometimes like, a, is it a heavy weight on your shoulder being a traditional musician? Um, is there like a responsibility? I think you do have a responsibility to do your best. And I think you have a responsibility to pass it on. Um, after that, that's all you can do, you know. And I think, like everything else, I find as a, as a human, or you know, all you can do is your best. But you have to cherish what you've been you've been given. You know, you don't. You you can you know, music evolves. It's folk music. Folk being the word, the folk, the people. So it's the music of the people. So the music has to evolve with the people, with the generations. But at the same time, it has to be valued. And um, and there's a fine line. And I think it is. Yeah, it is. A, it is a bit of pressure to a certain extent. But I think, like everything else, if it's handled with care, there's no reason why you, anything bad should happen. You know. I think that's one of the things I love most about Irish music because. In the introduction, I mentioned, you know, your band Four Winds, and I assume a lot of people would be familiar with that. And it's very creative. It's very, uh, it's a modern band. And it's, like you said, there's that fine line where you kind of have to balance where the music comes from, but you're so giving it direction as to where it's going. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I always admire musicians that have, it's like some people have a, a foot on each side, uh, you know, one foot is in deeply rooted in the tradition and then they're taking the step towards creating something new and different. And I love people who have that ability to do both and do it very well. I think, but th- I think that's the game, isn't it? Like, I think, well, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, I, I, um, uh, it's what I like to do. It's, it's what I like to think I'm trying to do as I'm, 
I'm trying to be true to myself and my creativity and, and, and work and play with people who have, you know, who are engaging with that creativity and are helping me and I'm helping them. And, but at the same time, doing it in a respectful way that kind of acknowledges the work that's been done be- before me, you know, and like, I'm not here to stay, but the music is here to stay. Yeah. So it's a bit like the It's a bit like the planet, you know, it's we're only borrowing it. So just mind it for the next jet, the next guys as well. You know, you can use it. Everybody's allowed to use it, uh, but just, you know, they're, they're handle still. with care. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, savage. Um, we'll be going to another set of tunes, maybe. Okay, I'll do, um, I'll do this time, I'll do a hornpipe called The Pleasures of Hope. And this is a great tune I learned from a good friend of mine called Connor Lamb, who is uh, in a band called Railta. And he's a great piper and uh, himself and his partner, Deirdre, who is a great guitarist. They're good friends of mine. And we've been away together a number of times in very exotic and unusual places to play our pipes and sing our songs. And uh, he taught me that tune um, and he got it from the plane of the great Limo Flynn. And then I'm going to play two reels, um, Corny's Coming and The Raveled Hank of Yarn. And these are tunes that I would associate with um, the giant of piping locally, um, Woody Clancy. Ah, lovely. And we'll see if we go back to a, a few of those exotic places you've been playing music in. <laughs>
I love the sound of that flat set, man. <laughs> it's great fun. I, I, I love it too. I'm, as I said, I'm, uh, the more I play them, the more I discover what they're able to do. And, you know, it just brings you to a whole different space, yeah. you know. I think I'll have to get myself a C concertina at some stage, but uh, we'll, uh, see, we'll see about that. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, it's yeah. just lovely, you know. It, I think changing the pitch and changing the key of tunes and things like that, it just makes you think differently about them, you know. Cause they almost sound like new tunes. They do. Yeah. They really do, yeah. you know. Um, even if you transpose, you know, I like doing that sometimes where you transpose a tune from a key to a different key. Because you've been, you know, you're, you get so accustomed to the sound of your instrument and the key that you're playing in, the key of the tune. And then uh, 15 years later, you just try this mad combination yeah. of things and you're like, oh, wow. my God. And because of the... Um, what's kind of cool about the... Um, what what whether it's the flat set or the pipes or anything it's the limitations that are challenging mm-hmm. that force you to reinvent things so even if you change the key of a tune you know there might be some ornaments or stuff like that that you could do in a certain key they but won't you work can, you can't do them in whatever yeah. key so you have to think of something else and then you realize you've all these other possibilities yeah, you can do a role in different places and exactly yeah, yeah, no, that's brilliant. and it's it's always great fun you know keeps and it fresh I, that that last tune is really um, it's a common session tune like you hear it a lot but it always brings me back same as you it's will it's Willie Clancy all the way oh yeah exactly it's a it's a great Willie Clancy uh, Willie Clancy tune um, yeah I spent years and years listening to Willie Clancy it's funny actually because I I don't think I used to like Willie Clancy that much when I was growing up um, as I was saying to you like I used to listen to a lot of records and. You know, the Botty Band and Planksty and Davy Spillane. Davy Spillane would have been my pipers of choice, you know, especially Atlantic Bridge, you know, with drums and electric guitars. And I was going to say, I'd say your dad didn't have the, the piping collection. Well, he really actually, fancy. surprisingly enough, he did. For uh, he, had, he had a few Seamus Ennis uh, recordings and a few Willie Clancy. The Willie, um, the Pipe Ring of Willie Clancy, Volume 1 and 2. And, um, and at that time, he just played them over and over in, in, in his car, in the van, like when we we used to go in the car together like it was Woody Clancy like and they're great they're they're absolutely amazing like the playing is phenomenal and uh, and what I loved about I love about Woody Clancy's playing is there's a rogueness like there's 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 a cute there's fun you know there's mischief there you know you can tell he's he takes himself seriously and he but he just loved having fun and you can hear there's a lot of fun being uh, had you know yeah I think you can hear it and there's also like there's a few clips on YouTube or in the archives in Dublin you can actually see it on his face oh like yeah he's yeah. bold yeah yeah oh, absolutely but then at the same time there's great respect for the music and there's really great attention to details like if you listen to him playing do you know, I think there was a recording. I remember listening to a recording of him playing. Maybe it was like a, the Langstrom Pony or something. One of those jigs, anyway. And I paid attention to his cuts, and I started listening to the record completely inside out. If you know what I mean. So I was just I was listening more to the cuts than to the melody. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he was cutting the notes in time, so he was keeping an internal time in the tune with his cut so his ornament was basically like a ticking clock yeah yeah brilliant it was like how would you do like you know it takes a serious amount of work and concentration to achieve that you know and and you can hear and then once you've noticed you can't unhear it and all you can hear is and then the background 
yeah, yeah, spot on. Every time. Yeah, that's he's that genius. That's that's brilliant. Well, obviously, a, there's a lot of work. That we like. I mean, we've had this conversation before, not on the show, but uh, there's always an amount of work that goes into your practice and how much you play. There's a part of uh, talent, of course, like in anything, but when you let it flow and you're not overthinking it, I'm pretty sure Willie Kansi wasn't thinking that his cuts were every time. Yeah, well, or well, maybe he was able to do it in flow, but in order to do it in flow, he practiced it beforehand. Yeah. I think there's two, I'm kind of coming to terms with this, this behind, uh, this, this whole theory is the, where people talk about the flow and the, you know, the way people play music and without mistakes and all that. You can do that, but in order to do that, you have to practice very hard and then keep the thing separate. And when you're performing, and that's, I think that's what a conversation we were having yesterday is the difference between uh, performance practice and performance. You have performance practice. You can make as many mistakes as you want. You can get it right. When you're performing, you need to be able to get your mind off it and let it come out. Yeah. And that's really hard. And um, it's about, you know, you're that. I think um, I was listening to a, a, a masterclass by a pia- jazz pianist Kenny Werner and he was saying he was a great teacher and he's great for giving people advice and help on their performance practice and, and, and music and it, it's um, he was saying that kind of yeah that's the idea is that you need to be able to play to your ability and forget about your ego when you're playing when you're performing you're not there to challenge yourself it's too late yeah. If you want to challenge yourself, you do it at home. You do it in your room. You know, you do it in your practice room. You do it every day. But when you're playing, it's too late. When you're performing, is you're there to show what you can do. And if you don't, that's when you start making mistakes. Yeah. Because you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it reminds me a lot when, like on the on the YouTube channel for Tunes from Dublin on the website, I have people asking a lot of times uh, advice on what tunes they can learn and they want new new people seem always to want to learn new tunes uh that's great when you do your practice and you build up your repertoire but then when it comes to actually going out and playing in front of people or even if it's a small you know with your family at a uh, at christmas or whatever go play the tunes that you know how to play and you kind of have to uh make sure you don't get confused between the two absolutely I think like um, what Kenny Werner was saying I, in one of those like I, I'm just I've become obsessed with this guy but he's he's great he wrote a great book called uh, Effortless Mastery and and like you're always learning obviously you're always there's always a way to improve and I should I'll listen. put a link to that book yeah actually. it's a great book um, and like I should you know, should listen to my own advice. Obviously, it's, uh, I'm not preaching at all because it's it's something that I'm working on. Um, but uh, he was saying that he categorizes his work into different blocks or boxes. And there's the tune you're learning, and there's the tune you're practicing, and there's the pieces that you're performing. Mm-hmm. And he said, at any given point, um, you should never skip a category. So once you've been learning it, you have to practice it. Once you've practiced it, eventually, 
you, you can perform it. But it takes a long time to make those three. Mm. And and I think he was in... I can't remember exactly, but he was saying if you're performing it and if it's already made its way to the third box, well, you can't bring it back to the first box because it's already there. But you can bring it back to the f- second box. We go back. You can bring it back to practice time. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't bring it. There's no way it's going back to learning. Or otherwise, you know. So he, he was explaining this whole system and he, was saying, um, and he was also saying that it's the ego that gets in the way. You know, um, your ego as a, and we're all guilty of that as a humans. You want yeah. to impress. You want, you want to, to show your newest. Yeah, you want to show your, your new story, your, your new so. moves, your new, you know, yeah. your new trick. Your, uh, or you want to impress, you know, your best friend or the or the great musician that you're the, playing with. Yeah, that day. exactly. Or your granny, who yeah. doesn't play any, anyway. But she, you want to impress her. You want to play well. But if you want to do, if you want to impress her, play the stuff that you know. You know, it's. it's, yeah. it's I think I think it's great. Oh, great it's advice. and not only for. Like beginners, I think it's a reminder that throughout our journey as musicians, wh- wherever you are on the journey, you know, beginner, intermediate, or advanced, like if you're already a great musician, the same process still applies, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely! It's 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 just a reminder, and it 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 applies on different levels. Obviously, like it's the kind of stuff that you would tell a a ten year old learning an instrument. You know, don't play your don't play your latest tune in front of you know you're ready go play the one you know mm. but it applies to applies to everyone and it's nice to be reminded of it you know i'm completely in that frame of mind at the moment yeah. where i'm being reminded of what i know and what i don't know and that's probably a, a result of lockdown as well because we haven't played uh like haven't been able to play with other people a lot so that's what's happened to me anyway you mm-hmm. know forgotten like i forgot some of the tunes that i would usually play not forgot them but you know they're not you don't play them the exact same way you used to play them and that's probably because they were actually i didn't master them yeah back then i thought i had them but if i'm not able to play them now straight away that means they weren't completely maybe they weren't yeah maybe they weren't in the right box you know yeah so you have to bring them back um absolutely i think lockdown has been in, very interesting because I I thought I'd learn loads of material, you know, I'd learn new new tunes and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. I didn't really. I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah, like. I did learn a few, which I forgot just as fast. Yeah. But, but it's funny that some tunes really really stayed. Um, so what's your lockdown tune? Can you think of one that a tune that stayed with you? That I learned, or that I can that just if I had to think of one tune that you associate with lockdown, the Boyne Hunt. Lovely. Yeah, oh, it's I a, love that just tune. a reel that I've played since I was thirteen or fourteen years of age. We should play that actually at the end of the sure. uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, it's a great tune, and it's just one that my dad plays, and I've always played it, played it, and I've always liked it. And lockdown or no lockdown, I always enjoyed it. And a lot of the tunes actually that are on the album are kind of tunes like that, you know. And, that, and that's why I picked those. A mm-hmm. lot of those tunes, they're tunes that have stayed with me for the last twenty years. And Going back to what we were saying, all those tunes that you've been playing for many years, they are all in the third box. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly well, I hope so. so. I hope so too. I'd say I'm they sure might they make are. a trip sure back to the second box now and then just to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah, stay yeah. on top. But. Uh, great. Well, pleasure to have you in Dublin again. You can come up anytime, Tom. Thanks very much. I might I might just do that. I might hold you, hold you to that one. I'm sure you will. Um, will you play a tune? 
before we go might as well nice thank you so much Tom and see you later thanks a lot I hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks again so much to Tom Delaney for coming on the show if you'd like to keep up with Tom and his music make sure to visit his website tomdelaney.com and to like his page on Facebook all the links are in the description his album will be coming out soon so keep an eye out for it it'll be great Thank you again so much for listening to the Tunes from Julian podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. It would be very helpful if you could tell your friends about the show too, share it on social media and feel free to visit the Patreon page if you would like to support. If you would like to know more about the Tunes from Julian project, you can check out the website and YouTube channel. You can also email me at tunesfromdulin at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you at the next episode.